0: Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at CanduCFC.com. Morning, friends. Good morning. Delayed reaction. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving yet again. So good to have you here. Uh, You know, These holidays that we have, it's like Thanksgiving isn't, I don't think, I haven't looked into the history of it. I don't think it's necessarily a overtly Christian holiday. I think there's Christian principles in it for sure. It is. All right, Holly, correct me. Was it as a Thanksgiving to God? I don't see it in the Bibles. I'm just, no, just, yeah, exactly. Okay. So it is, it is one of our holidays. Yeah, but it's not, it doesn't get the same billing as Christmas and Easter, does it? Okay, okay. So uh, sometimes these holidays come around like Thanksgiving, and I, I kind of think, man, should I have like a message just about thankfulness or gratefulness or Thanksgiving or whatever? And I went back and forth this week, and I and I thought I would, in, would instead share about something I'm thankful for, and I hope that you're willing to go along for the ride. Um, One thing I want to mention before we get into the message, actually, is is something I'm thankful for in addition to what we're going to talk about today, and that's what we have planned coming up in January for our church. Uh, Some of you have known this a little bit because we've done a little bit of planning already. This is going to be a big month for us. All of January is going to be a month dedicated to learning about practicing and embracing prayer and fasting. Uh, A lot of churches usually... Uh if they practice prayer and fasting, they do it in the first month of the year because it's a wonderful time to kinda hit the reset button and, and recalibrate, you know, get reacquainted with God in maybe ways where it's slipped or become invaded territory in the in the previous months. And we wanna give all that space to God. We wanna focus on Him. So prayer and fasting, friends, get ready. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's going to be practical, it will be challenging, but I believe... Um... As I've already heard several times in prayer, uh, just my own experience and someone else who prayed over Karen and I uh, not long ago, that there's going to be wonderful spiritual breakthrough and refreshment for this church in the month of January. And that's a good thing. That's something that we need as Christians. So looking forward to that for sure. So that's one thing I'm thankful for. But now let me tell you about uh, the thing this morning that I'm thankful for. It's moments in my life when I reflect back, moments in my life where I I remember moments where Jesus has taught me something significant. Has anyone ever had that happen to them, where you can look back at a certain time in your life, and it's like, oh, I remember what Jesus taught me three months ago, or ten years ago, and it was significant, and you remember it. Anyone have moments like that? Good. We should have hands going up. You should have a highlight reel in your head of, of the things that Jesus has taught you through your life. So from those moments like that, Jesus has helped change how I think, and I live moving forward. Perhaps you can remember a specific instance in your own life where you clearly remember learning from Jesus, experiencing him in a profound way, or feeling Jesus work in your life, and it has stuck with you over the years. I'm thankful for those standout moments, those memorable interactions with Jesus that are like a Uh, a sports highlight package that I have saved up and I can hit play and watch all these beautiful moments with me and Jesus over the years. And as we remember these kinds of things, we mentally revisit them. What we learned initially or experienced or felt by Jesus in those times or from Jesus in those times, it stirs us up and it refreshes us all over again. Let me share about one moment like this from my own life. And I recorded this, I, I'm praise the Lord that he gave me a good habit or a good discipline of prayer journaling, where I write down my prayers, and as I experience answers to prayer, I can go back and see where I started to pray for something. It's like, wow, God, I've been praying for this for a year, and you've answered this, or like three years, and you've You've made headway in this area. So I, I love prayer journaling just for this reason. So. I'm going to share with you from my prayer journal from November 9th, 2018. So that's before we even moved here. So as I was praying that morning, I received an encouragement from God about how he saw me, my heart and the direction that my life was on. And it was very encouraging because he compared me to one person in scripture, just like some good characteristics that they had. He said, Jeff, I see these things in you. Just don't stop. Right. And I was like, Jesus, that's incredible. That's how I responded. I literally have that in quotes. That's what I wrote down in my Bible. I said, Jesus, that's incredible. Thank you. What can I do to stick with this and increase my desire and my, motive, and my devotion? I quickly sensed God saying to me, practice discipline, don't compromise. Just two short phrases. I responded again saying, yes, Jesus. Please help me to be disciplined. You know, it's interesting. I look at doing my best to be disciplined, but the fear of man thinking that I'm legalistic creeps into my mind. Can you speak about this, please? So that's what I said to Jesus. In other words, I was telling God, I want to be consistent for you, but is that really you telling me to be disciplined? Is that really you telling me not to compromise? Because if I'm honest, I'm sometimes a little nervous. That being a disciplined Christian is just me trying to earn your friendship and convince myself that I'm a good Christian. But God cut through those doubts that morning when I when I felt him say this. This is the big one, okay? He said to me, consistent people are easier to correct and direct. And I responded in prayer once again telling Jesus, yeah, that makes so much sense. Someone who is all over the place or inconsistent is harder to, to connect with or manage or influence, etc. Someone who is more regular in routine is someone who is more accessible and minor corrections bring great change, especially when they come from you, God. And I said, that's awesome. So this moment in my life from five years ago is something that I think about often, especially when, when I felt God say consistent people are easier to correct and direct. I feel that it was kind of a turning point in my life as a believer. It didn't change a ton on the outside, at least not right away, but inwardly, because of that moment, I was deeply convinced of the importance that consistency played in my life and in the lives of all of us as children of God. And since Jesus shared this with me on that day, I've increasingly seen the value of consistency, living connected and surrendered to Jesus in my life. Now, the word consistent or consistency doesn't appear in the Bible all that much, depending on what translation you're looking at, but it's literally a handful of times at best. But the idea of consistency is everywhere in the scriptures. So today on Thanksgiving Sunday, I want to share with you something I'm so thankful for, a lesson Jesus taught me on the value of consistency. I think today you're going you're to have to do a little work with me. This isn't just me laying out for you what a life of consistency looks like, but I think instead we're going to have to wonder a little bit together. We're going to have to think, and, and perhaps we're going to have to do a little bit of a checkup on the desires of our hearts and allow ourselves to be inspired to have a life of consistency for ourselves. Are you guys interested in trying that out today? Awesome. I knew you would be because you guys are so consistent in listening to everything I say. I'm just teasing. All right, let's pray, and then we're going to get into this for real. Jesus, we just give you permission right now. In fact, we give you invitation to come here and speak to us. I believe, Holy Spirit, that you are the one who has the message that each of us Needs to receive. Yeah, there's maybe a core truth in here about consistency, but you know how each of us function in our lives. You know how many of us are consistent in certain disciplines or spiritual practices. You know how many of us want to be, but we struggle. We, we just, there's so many other things going on. We find it hard to be consistent. Lord Jesus, would you just come in, clear away all the noise? Give us a heart that focuses on you. Give us a heart that hungers and thirsts for the things of God. And that we wouldn't turn away that hunger or thirst, but we would consistently put ourselves in a place to be satisfied by you. Amen. All right. Oh, man, I had this great title slide I came up with, and that's not that great. Don't worry. Let's just move on ahead here. First question we really want to tackle is, what is consistency? Because it's one of those words, I think we use it in the English language, but there's, there's some other pieces that come alive when we start speaking about it in a spiritual sense. To be consistent means to continually live by the same principles, to follow the same path, to adhere to the same standards without wavering or veering away from them. So the opposite of consistent obviously is the word inconsistent. Inconsistent is, you know, the the habit in our lives of constantly changing always going in different directions day after day, never living by the same standards for very long before something else is what we suddenly believe to be true. The Bible has many verses that describe God as consistent. One of them is James one seventeen: Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Hebrews 13, verse 8 speaks about Jesus's consistency when it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And quoting Psalm 118, verse 22, Jesus says in Mark twelve 10, haven't you read this passage of scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So you might be wondering, okay, Jeff, I, I think I got the first two verses, but this cornerstone thing, what are you talking about there? I'm not sure where I see consistency. Well, I see it big time, okay? So Jesus is speaking about himself in Mark 12:10. He is our spiritual cornerstone. A cornerstone is a large cut stone. I mean, I've seen some of them. They're like the size of this pulpit or maybe even larger. A cornerstone is it's laid at the intersection of two walls that meet on the outside of a building. So they'll have this cornerstone there, and then whatever brickwork or framework is going to come afterwards is built around and on top of that cornerstone. That cornerstone is placed there because of its strength. It won't move or shift And these are the same qualities that Jesus has. He won't move or shift on us. He's a consistent strength and an anchor point in our lives. Matthew 28 verse 20 says, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said this right before he leaves the disciples to ascend to heaven. But Jesus just said, I am with you always, always. So how can he say something like that and then just take off into heaven? It doesn't make sense, right? Unless we understand that Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit, whom he is about to send to live in the hearts and the minds of his followers, the same Holy Spirit who lives in you and me today. So it's evident through these few verses that we've looked at quickly that God the Father... God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are consistent in who they are and what they do for us and their presence in our lives as Christians. But did you know that Scripture actually exhorts us to be consistent as well? And it encourages us to be consistent in a number of specific areas. Did you guys know that? Well, I did. But I, I knew that because I looked at the Bible. So I want to share a few of these with you because I actually love this. Sometimes we need things to be pointed out with a little bit of specificity, and, and that's okay. I'm not trying to do this to bludgeon anyone spiritually or beat you over the head, but we just want to understand, okay, if there's a consistent life that we're being called to, what does it even look like? That's, I think that's a fair question. So the Bible talks about being consistent in believing Colossians 1 verse 23 says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. So belief in the truth about Jesus must be a consistent factor in our lives. If what we move away from, or if if we move away from what we believe and the truth about Jesus, the very foundation that our life has been built upon, we shift on top of it and if our lives aren't anchored on top of jesus the cornerstone the truth about who he is his sacrifice and his love for us our lives crumble because we do not have a foundation or a cornerstone for our beliefs so consistency in believing is number one for christians another one is consistency in praying Ephesians 6.18, this is just one of many verses that expresses consistency in praying. It says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I won't, I won't elaborate on all of these. Some of them are pretty self-explanatory. Consistency in the word is another thing. Joshua 1.8, it says, study this book of instruction Continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Consistency in love. Hebrews 13.1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Consistency in serving each other as Christians. Romans 12.13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager and practice hospitality. Consistent in generosity. First Timothy 6 verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Uh, this is a pretty amazing picture of consistency already. And then we see a verse like 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58, which talks about consistency in serving God. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is never in vain. I'm going to elaborate on this one a little bit because I I chose the ESV, but some of those words in there might be a little bit confusing, okay? So there's three words in this verse that essentially mean the same thing. Steadfast, immovable, and always abounding. They all just mean be consistent. Do these things always, right? Did you know that there's a deodorant brand out there called Arid has anyone ever heard of Arid deodorant brand? It's, it's kind of old school. So if you've heard of it, that's cool. But I, I remember hearing about it when I was in junior high. So it's been around for a while. So Arid, the word Arid means dry. It's like an arid climate, like a desert. So Arid has a kind of deodorant. The brand Arid has a kind of deodorant called Arid Extra Extra Dry. So maybe you're seeing where I'm going with this already. In case or in this case, the word extra is like an emphasis. It's like a ditto or a repetition of the first word, right? Or the last word that it's describing. So extra, extra in this emphasis means dry, dry. So basically, if you buy arid extra, extra dry deodorant, you're buying dry, 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 dry deodorant. So this kind of repetition is actually what we see here in this verse. And it's It's not to be weird, but it's to emphasize a certain point here. First Corinthians 15 verse 58 doesn't want us to miss the emphasis that it's putting on consistency. So we're told to be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in doing the Lord's work. So this verse is articulating the the degree of consistency we're supposed to have. Very, very consistent, extra, extra consistent, right? In serving God. Another, another one, I think this is the last one, yeah, consistent in evangelism. It actually, the Bible actually says this. In First Peter 3, verse 15, it says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So growing up, I played baseball, as I've talked about before, and I had several different coaches With a variety of different coaching styles. But most of them always reminded us, in one way or another, of one thing being ready. Just like many of these verses are reminding us to be ready to do certain things as believers. On defense, our coaches told us to know the situation on the field before the pitch was thrown so that when we got the ball, we wouldn't start to think, what should I do with it? But we would just do it. We would react, right? As hitters, our coaches told us to go into the batter's box with a plan before you step in the box. Always know how you're going to attack a certain pitch or a location of the strike zone. As base runners, our coaches told us to know how many outs there were, what the score was, where the defense was playing, and where other runners were positioned on the bases so that we would run wisely and not run into outs. They were coaching us to be good baseball players through being so familiar with what was expected from us that it came naturally to us in a game situation right when we needed it. So what would it be like, friends? Let me ask you this. What would it be like for you and me if all these things that we just mentioned, believing, praying, studying the Bible, loving, being generous serving others, serving God, evangelizing. What would it be like if all of these things became second nature to us? They happened instinctively, not automatically, but rather we were inclined or eager to respond in exactly the ways these passages are teaching us to respond. Let's talk about this for just a minute here, okay? I need a little help. I need a little interaction here, okay? So are these things that the Bible teaches us to be consistent in, would, would you say that they're good? Yes. Yes? yes? Okay. Yeah, I, I think so too. I agree. Would this kind of consistent Christian life, doing all these things that we've just said are good, would it bring joy? Would it be boring? Would it be productive? Would it be tedious? Like, what do you think? What's that? Productive. Productive? Okay. Joyous? Yeah. Anyone else? You can use another adjective that I didn't use. What do you think would come out of your life if if you were consistent in these things that we just talked about? Growth. 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 Peace. Peace. Security. Security. Interesting. All good things. All good things. So, why do you think that is? Why is it that being consistent in these sort of biblical disciplines, has positive results. I think this is because this is who we are meant to be. What do you think? I mean, Jesus saves us from our sins. Not so that we stay in a lifestyle where we continue to bow to sin, but so that we're dead to that life and we are now consistently involved in the things of God in a new life, right? Right? Okay, just checking, just check. We, we need to be firm on these kinds of things, because I think the idea of consistency here, and understanding that it's actually good for us, is an is a idea that a lot of Christians struggle with. We see consistency in all of those disciplines as things that we're obligated to do, but we don't understand how wonderful it is for us. So I'm hoping right now that you're pondering on these things. I'm not going to elaborate or, or, or hit you over the head with this, but I want you to consider how much value could be added to your life by being consistent in all these ways with Jesus. All right. So let me, let me elaborate on something else here. Why is consistency that important? Okay. Because we're, 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 we're treading on that trail. We're trying to make ground in that direction. So like I said at the beginning, five years ago, when I sensed God helping me to understand the importance of consistency, he also prefaced it by saying, practice discipline, don't compromise. So the disciplines that I sensed him affirming in my life at that time were the ways that I was making time for intimacy, familiarity, relationship, and deeper appreciation for God. I was giving him more time in prayer reading the Bible, asking God questions, meditating on what the Bible said, and even memorizing scripture. More time in all those things than I ever had before. Now don't worry, I'm not saying this because of my faithfulness or character was so amazing, but rather God was giving me a deep hunger for those things. I knew enough about God at that point in my life to know that I needed to know much more about God. Has anyone ever heard the phrase, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing? It's true. You learn a couple facts about Jesus and you think, oh man, I know this guy, right? Man, I, I know the Bible better now than I ever have at any point in my life. And it's so weird. I, I know that I need to study the Bible more desperately than any other point in my life. It's like the more I know, the more I realize Man, there is stuff out there about God that I need to figure out. Like, I want to know him. I want to be close to him. I want our relationship to be like firing on all cylinders. I don't want to, I don't want to be an eight-cylinder Christian and idle into heaven on one cylinder firing with a blown head gasket. I don't know if I used that analogy correct, Roger, but was I close? Just nod with me. Thank you. Okay. I'm not an engine guy, but like, I don't want to just coast into heaven thinking, Oh yeah, Jesus, he's, he's God's son, right? I think that's one of those things we're supposed to know, but like, I just want to be so intimately familiar with him that as my life transitions to senior living and then into heaven one day, it's just going to be a smooth transition because everything is consistent here. Like it's going to be in eternity. Doesn't that sound good? Like that's not even just me making that up, but I believe that's a desire that the Holy Spirit gives us, okay? So all these things were happening, and, and then God says to me, practice discipline, don't compromise. When he said that, it felt like an encouragement to not stop the good things that had become a staple in my life. And then God shared with me that big statement about consistency. Consistent people are easier to correct and direct. And for me, that was the icing on the cake. It's like, oh, Jesus, I understand. I give you access to my life by being consistent. And your work in my life can happen consistently as I'm connected with you. So I love what Jesus was teaching me. Think about it like this. Let's say that you're one of 10 people who work on a sales team at a large company, okay? You're all working together, at the, and yet at the same time, you're kind of competing with one another because you know from time to time that there's promotions that are offered, and they become available to the best qualified candidate. Your sales team supervisor, he tracks your punctuality to work, your accuracy in entering information, and your proficiency in product knowledge, Available to your sales team are optional training sessions, product research information, and client relationship classes. So you know the expectations of your job, and your company is willing to work with you to meet those expectations. When promotion time comes, who do you think your boss is going to consider more seriously. Will it be someone who is showing positive growth? That's a word that we heard already today in areas that he's tracking and someone who's taking advantage of the optional training. Or will it be someone who is average at their job and shows little to no interest in improvement? Of course, your boss is going to be interested in the person who's growing in their job and has a greater desire for even more growth. If they sign up for the optional training, they're going to have bad habits corrected and they're going to have a better direction moving forward in their career. Friends, this is, I mean, no analogy is perfect, but I hope this kind of paints the picture of what Jesus is doing for us. Yes, he's tracking us. He knows what's happening in our lives. Yet at the same time, he's offering us everything we need to live a supernaturally good life in his eyes. Second Peter 1, verse 3 to 11. I'm not going to reference or I'm not going to read that, but I want you to check it out. Second Peter 1, 3 to 11. It talks about what God does for us, the optional training, so to speak, that allows us to live a, a life that is so united with him that it's good and productive and useful. So this is what pursuing intimacy with God achieves for us as Christians. As we spend time in the word of God, as we pray, meditate on scripture, as we learn to listen for God's voice, or even try things like memorizing scripture or fasting and praying, we're signaling to God, hey God, I want to excel in my relationship with you. I want to become more like you. And he responds to that kind of desire. As we give God consistent time in our lives, God works with us by correcting us with love and tenderness. He corrects the bad habits in our lives so that he moves us away from sin and error that's harmful and unproductive. In Proverbs 15, verse 31 and 32, it says this, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Isn't that good? It's, it's, it's promoting and congratulating people who understand it's good to be corrected. And it's good to not, you know, shrug your shoulders at correction or turn your back towards it. It's good to embrace it. Thank you, Jesus, that you wouldn't let me flounder in what I'm struggling with, but you desire to move me to a better place, right? Job 36, verse 10 to 12 says, He makes them listen to correction and commands them to repent of their evil. If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. But if they do not listen, they will perish by the sword and die without knowledge. So the correction of God is very good and it's actually protecting us. We need it. God's desire is to give us understanding about our lives and save us from sin and the consequences of sin. And correction is how he does that, like a good father would. God also directs our lives. Direction moves us towards usefulness and fruitfulness in our lives. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Friends, do you ever get the feeling like you could have a better life without Jesus? And Jesus is just directing you along a pathway that he wants, but you really don't? I see some brave heads shaking their, shaking their heads. That's good. You know, because I don't think God ever directs us to something lesser than the best. Well, everyone's just say best for me. That's what God's interested in for you, for me. It's not just like I made a set of rules. I realize now that something is so much better, but I'm just a stubborn God. And I want you to do everything I say. That's not how he thinks. That's not how he relates to us. He says, I love you and I want the best for your life. So I'm going to direct you and I want you to listen. Not so that you just are subservient to me, but so that your life, your life will turn out better than you could actually ask for. Isaiah 30 verse 21. This is awesome. I love this verse. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you, saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Yes, God wants us to walk towards what is good. That's why we need his direction. So we can confidently say that it's good for us to be hungry and eager to receive God's correction and direction in our lives. But if we only interact with Jesus occasionally, A, we might not recognize God leading our lives in these ways because we won't be familiar with how he works. That's the danger of inconsistency. God speaks to us. He relates to us. His voice comes into our subconscious, but we brush it off easily because we don't recognize it because we haven't spent consistent time with him. What a sad thing that is, right? It'd be like if my wife were to say, Jeff, I love you but i didn 't recognize her voice because I had tuned her out through all these years, and then her affection towards me would be lost because I had been busy loving other things. What a brutal way to live right and i don 't think that 's what God wants for us so a we might we might miss out on Jesus because of our occasional interactions with him we might not recognize him and b we might not value what he says but because we're not necessarily disciplined in pursuing it if we're passive and we just wait for jesus to appear in front of us like a burning bush and those are the only moments where we're going to pay attention to him we're probably not going to pay attention to him much has anyone seen a burning bush has anyone ever seen an angel maybe there's some Has anyone ever had God speak to you in an audible voice? There might be some. And if it's a no, that's okay. I've had it once. And if that's the only thing I were to look for, like just God being super obvious, I might miss it. But if I pursue him, if I tune my heart and my mind to him, and I'm eager to hear what he has to say, I'm eager to intimately, you know, Participate and be consistent in relationship with him. That's when things change. I want to show you one more way that the Bible talks about consistency. It's a word that appears all over the Bible. And I'm hoping that by highlighting it today, we will appreciate it more when we come across it in our own reading. We're going to look at two examples, two from the Old and two from the New Testament. So let's start with the Old Testament as we look at the word Walk. Genesis 5 verse 24 talks about a man named Enoch. There's not a whole lot that's said about him, but what is said is incredible. Genesis 5:24 says Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. So the word walked here is the Hebrew word halak, which you don't even have to remember. It really means nothing because we're not Greek speakers, but I just want to tell you this so that you know I'm not making this up. Halak simply means to come or to go. So Enoch came and went with God based on what this verse is saying. He walked with God during his life here on earth, but to walk with God in this verse doesn't mean to like walk down the street with him. It literally means to walk with God in spiritual intimacy or friendship. This verse is describing that Enoch had such a close relationship with God that one day God just took Enoch to be with him. Enoch was spared the agony of death because God took Enoch right into his presence. It's pretty amazing when we talk about a walk, a friendship, an intimacy, a consistency with God. And that's what it can result in. This word walk or halak also appears in Second Kings 20 verse 3. It says, remember Lord, how I walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept So again, walk here is the word halak. King Hezekiah in this verse is reminding God of his consistent intimacy and fellowship that he enjoyed with God during his life. Hezekiah was consistently seeking or looking for the presence of God. By the way, a little bit of backstory here. Hezekiah was weeping at the end of this verse because he was ill. And the prophet Isaiah had told him that he was going to die. After Hezekiah reminded God of the consistent intimacy and fellowship they enjoyed together, God spoke to Isaiah again, telling him, okay, go and tell King Hezekiah that I'm adding 15 years to his life. Isn't that crazy? Consistency, fellowship, intimacy. Would God add 15 years to the life of someone who ignored him or didn't love him or didn't seek him? I don't know. I I just doubt it, right? The only, the only, Evidence we have is that Hezekiah had this relationship with God. It was consistent. And God said, of course, I'm going to add 15 years to your life. So that's the Old Testament. A couple examples. New Testament. This idea appears here as well in Galatians 5, verse 16. It says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So walk here now is in, is in Greek, not Hebrew. Hebrew is Old Testament. Greek typically is New Testament. It's the word peripateo, which again, you don't need to know or understand or care about. But all I'm saying is that word means how I conduct my life. So this verse is saying, conduct your life by the spirit of God. In other words, in cooperation, in submission to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he wants to correct and direct to lead us. For us to conduct our lives by the Holy Spirit, we need to have consistent time where we are open to Him. And we're open to His guidance and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've mentioned these things already today. Believing, praying, Bible reading, worship in church, and things like that. Those are just some of the ways that we can pursue consistent time with the Holy Spirit. Another example of this word peripeteo, or walk, showing up in the New Testament is 1 John 1, verse 7. It says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So light in this verse is referring to God's moral goodness. To walk in the light of God's moral goodness indicates a willingness on our part to be transformed, to reflect God's moral goodness into our world, right? So if we are going to be transformed by God, clearly we need a consistent interaction with him. I'm not going to like meet Karen, fall in love with her, be transformed by the magic of her love in one instance, and then just go on my life. But after being married for 17 years, consistently interacting with each other, it's like, oh, I I hear myself thinking differently. It's like, oh, Karen might not like that. I shouldn't do that, right? And that's good because Karen likes good things and she doesn't like bad things. And now I'm just the perfect husband. (laughs) If you believe that, you are sadly mistaken. So... Time doesn't allow us to get into it today, but there are many more verses about walking with God. All of these verses are telling us that we need to consistently make time for God in our lives. And if we do, it's to God's glory and to our benefit. Consistency with Jesus is the springboard to the Christian life, launching us into a satisfaction and usefulness in our faith that we can't have any other way. It's consistency with Jesus that leads us to the, the, the heart of the fruitfulness that God wants us to have. Friends, if, if you're okay with a dull and confusing Christian experience, don't be consistent in spending time with God. That's the easy way out, and it ends in real bitterness. But if you crave that purpose and meaning are the result of your faith in Jesus. Give him consistent time in your life. You'll receive more than you could have possibly imagined was possible from the relationship with God that you have because you're consistent in allowing him to change you. So do you see that God longs for consistent time with you and me? Do you, do you sense that after what we're talking about today? Good it's not so that he can ruin our lives or control us or take away all of our fun or or just you know brainwash us like robots that's not it he wants to save us from the destruction of sin and lead us to what will be pleasing for god and for us so when i learned this a few this new thing a few years ago it, it helped me to realize how I give my time to God matters. If I expect to be transformed to be like Him, corrected and directed, I need to be consistent in the time I spent cultivating my relationship with Jesus. It can never just be a once-in-a-while thing. It can't just be Sundays only. I hate to break it to you. And I'm not saying that to burden you. If like if coming to church is is one of your first things you've ever done to like interact with Jesus, you are amazing. You need to know that God is so thrilled with that. That's good. All I'm saying is we don't want to just take a nibble of the steak and just be content with that. We want to continue to eat and be nourished. You know what I'm saying? So maybe church is that first nibble. Keep going. That's all I'm saying. Maybe start with three minutes a day at home. Maybe that's something that you can do. I know three minutes sometimes in, the, in busy mornings that can seem like a lot, but to set your alarm clock like three, five, ten minutes earlier, that's not too much, right? Imagine if you woke up and you said, God, my life is really hectic. I don't really know how to do this, but I know that I want this. So for the next three minutes, I just want to spend it with you. And maybe you're just quiet. Maybe you just are sitting still and you say, God, I don't want to think about anything else besides just like, I know that you love me. That's the only thing I really know. So I just want to meditate on that. Go for it. That'd be awesome. Maybe, maybe it moves from that and you get to this place where, okay, I know you love me, but I know that there's more. God, for the next three minutes, I just want to read my Bible. Just do it three minutes a day. That would be incredible. Three minutes times seven is 21. 21 minutes in a week. That can change your life. That can be the beginning of transformation. Maybe, maybe it goes from three minutes to five or ten and you're like, okay, God, like what I read, this is changing me. It's making me think different. I've, I'm being consistent in my interaction with you. And now I realize I'm supposed to be doing things like the Bible's telling me I should be praying. So I'm going to read for five and I'm going to pray for five. And I, I just want you to help me know what to pray for because this is really new. Maybe that's your prayer. God, help me to pray. That would be, that'd be marvelous. And maybe it turns into 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Maybe it turns into a half an hour because as you're consistent with Jesus, he, he appeals to your spiritual taste buds and he just says, I want to give you more. Are you hungry? Because I'm ready. I come to me. I will feed you. I will give you what you thirst for and it'll be awesome. And you will want this because it's consistent in your life. Sometimes we hear messages like this and we feel the pressure to make all of these kinds of consistency things happen in our own strength. We might think, man, I have to grow closer to God. I have to be consistent. I have to convince him that I'm interested in who he is. Yes and no. There's a really amazing verse that I think is going to be encouraging for you. I want to share this. This is second Chronicles 16 verse nine. It says this, the eyes of the Lord, Search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I'm going to read that again because this is kind of amazing. The eyes of the Lord search the earth, the whole earth, in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know what this verse is telling us? That God is eager to work in your life. If you tell God that you want to walk with Him and you begin to show any degree of consistency, you can be assured that He's eager to strengthen you and walk with you just like you desire to walk with Him. So this isn't like a spiritual manipulation thing. It's like, God, you see how much I'm praying? God, you see how I'm opening my Bible? Like, you have to love me more now. You have to bless me. You have to give me these things I need. That's not it. God's already eager. Like he loves you. He just says, hey, break away from the things that don't feed our relationship and start giving yourself over to the things that do. And I'm eager to work with you. I love you. So it's just us responding. That's what consistency is. It's us responding to the love he already has and learning to appreciate and live more firmly in it. I want to close with a verse that I'm not putting on the screen here because I just want you to soak it in. I want you to just listen to these words. Maybe you need to be challenged by them. Maybe you need to be blessed by them. Maybe you need to be encouraged. Whatever it is, I trust that God is going to use these five verses from Psalm 119, verse 1 to 5, to speak to you. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. And then it closes with a prayer. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Oh God. It's amazing. The more we read your word, the more amazing you become. You never get old, you never change, you never fail us or abandon us. You are so consistent. And all you're asking, Jesus, is that we respond to your consistent love by being consistent in our love and devotion and attention given to you. God, it's not just for your benefit. It's for your glory and for our benefit. We need consistency with you, Jesus. So I ask that you would just bless this congregation Every person here, everyone online who listens in North Dakota or somewhere else in this world, everyone who needs to have a boost in their consistency with you, I pray that they would crave intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that you, Lord Jesus, would walk that out with them, minute by minute, each day. Amen.